It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today our guest is a Japanese trumpeter, a composer, arranger, and Grammy Award winner. His name is Shunso Ono. Shunzo, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you very much for having me here. You are currently living in New York, but you are from Japan. And what city were you living in in Japan? It's called Gifu. Gifu. A little suburb right next to the name of this town called Nagoya. Nagoya is facing between, right between Tokyo and Osaka. It's Nagoya is the middle. So my city, Gifu, is a maybe 30 minutes ride of, uh, on the train. Now, when you started out uh, as a young man, uh, you did not have parents in the music business, but instead, uh, I believe your parents uh, were in the restaurant business? Yes. And so, from what I understand, uh, you wanted to be a trumpet player, but your family could not afford a trumpet. When I was going to the elementary school in Japan and the government education department they are making all the students to go to the movie what they recommend so one of the movie is boy with the trumpet I saw that movie and then I was very impressed somewhere in my life there was a story of the remained and then when I went to start first day in the middle school uh, entrance ceremony and then all the different activity clubs, basketball, baseball, the music, chorus, the brass band. So one of them, I saw the trumpet, and I was very attracted. I think because from that movie, you know, I went to the room to join for a brass band, but somehow all the trumpet chair was already filled. So then I decided if I cannot play trumpet, and see, you know, what's the point? I joined a brass band. So then I did not join. Then I joined the basketball club. And then during the basketball club, I injured my knee. And I ended up to just join a brass band. But a trumpet wasn't available. So I started out from my first instrument was the euphonium. And then after euphonium, I moved to the trombone. And I played the trombone up until end of middle school and high school, first year of high school, still I was playing trombone. And then second year, on a senior, graduated, and then one trumpet chair was opened, and immediately I uh, took the trumpet. Tell me about yourself. Where did jazz 
start for you? When did you start playing jazz? Was that in high school or later on somewhere? During the middle school or high school, actually, I um, saw the, I think, end of the, towards the end of the middle school, it's called, uh, name of the trombone player, Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller. So uh, a movie uh, named actor called Stewart. Actor. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, yes. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. So he was playing, but anyway, uh, this movie I want to see, and because you know, Glenn uh, Miller, the trombone player, so that was so much fun to watch him because of uh, not only the Glenn Miller, but also Louis Armstrong, Benny Goodman, all those great jazz musicians was in the scene. So uh, that was my first encounter to the watching jazz music. Yeah, so that's how I started involving the, you know, the jazz music. So it sounds like movies play an important part in your life. Uh, look where they have led you. You saw the Trumpet Boy, then you saw the Glenn Miller story, and that yeah. moved you into jazz. Uh, were there trumpet players uh, at the time that were an influence for you or somebody that you tried to live up to or wanted to be like? Well, first one's up. I didn't know anything about uh, the jazz music at all. Somehow, I don't know how I encountered Harry James. And Harry James and the sound is so incredible. And then uh, I just tried to copy what he playing, you know, or the big band, you know. So I played the uh, big band uh, music on a chart, not chart, but hearing all the big band, whatever they're playing. And also Harry James' uh, you know, solo section, so entire, three or four minutes, I play with everything by myself, you know, so by ear. So I think uh, I still remember those details of the music from beginning to end, including Harry James' solo. That's, I think, uh, how really, really uh, actual uh, first involvement to the playing the jazz. I don't know if people call it that the jazz or like a big band music. Did you go to university and study either jazz uh, music or composition? Not at all, because of, uh, I didn't have that kind of environment near the, my city. And going to the college is uh, only rich people's uh, or children going to go to college. So uh, college, music education, especially music college, it was not in my, my mind. How and when did you start learning to read music? My um, biggest music school was uh, in a cabaret. So many cabaret in every city. Gif is a small city, but still we had uh, four or five cabaret. And each cabaret has a big band and a small group. So uh, I, uh, I met one musician after the, I started listening to uh, uh, interesting jazz. And I went to the jazz coffee shop in uh, town with Gifu. And I met a few musicians, you know, the, during the daytime, they come to uh, hang and drink, having coffee and uh, listening to jazz. So then uh, one guy asked me, hey, boy, what do you do? Yeah, oh, yeah, I play trumpet. And the guy said, hey, uh, bring your horn. And I went down to the club cabaret and then they started uh, teaching me how to read the music and the jazz improvisation, I think, you know. A7 or B flat 7, you know, those are the name of the chord change. 
I didn't know what it was. And the guy really taught me, to, what is this, what is this, you know? So that was a great education for me to the, be, uh, become a musician in, in the cabaret. In Japan, jazz is really quite popular. It's very well known. Uh, it's almost more popular in uh, Japan than it is in, in America. There's uh, jazz everywhere in Japan, at least what I've experienced in my travels uh, and having been uh, to Japan a number of times. It's a music that everybody knows. I think uh, it's, it's developed because well, during World War II, American soldier, those musician, was coming to this town during a, their break or something in a military service, and they have a break, and they just come to the inside of Tokyo, and they just try to play the uh, instrument. For example, I heard about Toshiko Akiyoshi, you know, piano player. Yes. Uh, and then Sada Watanabe, well, those people, I think, I believe that they were playing uh, to those uh, military base or camp. So that way, to little by little, it became so popular. And Toshiko is, uh, uh, was invited to the Berkeley School of Music. Uh, I think she was the first Japanese woman to uh, get to the Berkeley School of Music. And Sada Watanabe was very close to the Toshiko. The Toshiko was a kind of a mentor to the Sadao. So then uh, Sadao was also went to the Berkeley School of Music. And he came back and he started uh, associated with Yamaha music and he started teaching music theory every week at the Yamaha uh, Association. So when you were playing cabarets and coffee houses, you started developing your skills and then you went on to become a professional trumpeter. And obviously you became very well known uh, throughout Japan. But uh, I believe it was maybe 1974 that you met Art Blakey who came to Japan. Tell me about yeah, actually, that story. Yeah, actually uh, 1973, I forgot what month was exactly. And he had, a, uh, had to appear on TV show and then she did not have a trumpeter on that tour, particularly. So a uh, promoter actually called one of the friend of mine, another trumpeter. And a uh, friend of mine, he called me, Shinzo, can you make a sub for this gig for me? And what is this? Oh, yeah, I uh, had to play in you know, this uh, NHK, is a very uh, big national TV station in Japan. And uh, so I had to say that uh, they asked me to play the update of this show. I don't think I, I'm really good for it. So can you make it this speak for me? Now, at first, uh, my reply was like, uh, man, this is really a great opportunity. So you should really uh, make it escape. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not good for this. Shinzo, can you make it? So then, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, that was my first encounter of Lakey. And we, we played the show, and then after the show finished, and uh, Blakey just came came to me. He should come to New York. That was 1973, and then I came here uh, March 13, 1974. So, did you tour with Art Blakey also? Well, I came here, and I didn't know any anyone else except Art Blakey. That was the only person I knew in New York. So. Uh, a friend of mine, he's a, a painter, artist. 
somehow knew Arbleke's his wife. He, he, he had a Japanese wife and he contacted Arbleke's house, the wife, and then uh, I thought this uh, Shinzo is here. And uh, so then and they saw me, oh, please come up uh, to the apartment. So I think I went to Arbleke's house like a few weeks later. And then I did a tour in uh, Washington DC, Baltimore and Chicago and then is a travel for all over the world. But I did not have a green card or the visa to be able to go out of country and coming in a country, that kind of situation. So Ablaki uh, just became sponsor of me to get my green card. And he went to the lawyer's office with me and signed the papers. And then uh, actually, uh, then I needed to have a recommendation. So then uh, I went to the rich banger. That time, the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, you know, those people signed a paper. Because the Thad Jones, actually, he was in Japan doing a concert. So I just uh, went to see the concert, and then I was in some jazz club in Tokyo. And the Thad Jones came in to just hang in that club. And the owner of the jazz club introduced me to the Todd Jones. Oh yeah, Shinzo, he's going to New York. And the Todd Jones, he just gave me the numbers and they, yeah, stop by every Monday we playing at the Rich Vanguard. So uh, when you arrive, just come down, bring your own. So, uh, so that's, that was, uh, yeah, my first encounter to the American jazz musicians. I played in the Todd Jones and I came to New York. So. You stayed on in New York, and you've been living there ever since? Yes. Now, how did you end up working with Machito and his Afro-Cuban orchestra? Because that ended up uh, being uh, one of your first Grammy Awards. One time uh, in New York, name of the jazz club called Jazz Forum. So then they was hosting a uh, jam session every Monday. So I went there one Monday, and uh, another friend of mine, just uh, came to speak to me. Hey, Shinzo, what you been doing this day? And at that time, I didn't have any uh, gig, steady gig or anything. So then he just gave me the phone number and Machito's, you know, manager. And I called him up. I just quit this man. So I'm sure they are looking for the other trumpeter. And then they, the village, village gate, they had a, every Monday, they had a salsa meet jazz. I went there, that was my audition, and I brought my trumpet, and okay, this is your chair, just sit and just read the music and play. And then when the first show finished, I packed my trumpet, I was gonna go home. And then Machito said, stay for next set too. And I stayed in the next show, and the end of the gig, and then I went home. And then a few days later, I had a phone ring from Machito's office. Hey, uh, Shinzo, we are going to the Finland, so can you come with us? <laughs> I went to the Finland, and then we recorded one album, Utrecht and Harlem. <laughs>
album came on the Cerebral Grammy Award in 1984. You also worked with the Gil Evans Orchestra. Yeah, that was a very uh, significant uh, for me to the encounter in uh, Gil Evans. One time, 1973 or 72, he came to Japan for the Gil Evans Orchestra tour concert. And they had a rehearsal at some uh, big studio and radio station. Then I went to see the rehearsal. I didn't speak to anyone. And uh, after I came to New York, a friend of mine, guitar player, he just recently he passed away, Ryo Kawasaki. He was uh, working with the Gay Levens that time. So, uh, but they needed to have one first set for the summer trumpet uh, subbing. So then I went to uh, Village Vanguard. But they, that time they had a Every Monday, Gilevans okay, so was playing British Vanguard before the Thai Jones or Melody's time, you know. So then I played just one set. So that was my first encounter for Gilevans in 1974. And then 1985, no, 1983, May, he called me. Shinzo, can you come to the uh, play with me in Monday, also that was Monday. So I thought of Gil Evans. I, I don't know how, how he knew my number, you know, who I am in Shinzo. And but anyway, so are you Gil Evans? <laughs> yes, I am. So I went to, to the street basil and played a gig. And then I thought of my plane was I, I didn't really so impress myself that, you know, oh that was okay. And then I came home and then a few days later, Gil Evans actually called me. To the Shinzo, can you come to come with me to Japan? Okay, so that time I had a big conflict. I was so happy to get to ask me to the joint with his band to go on the tour with the Japan with the Gilevans and the Mars Davis group, two groups together and tour in Japan. So uh, that time I had a tour was already 12 weeks tour with Machito in Europe. So then Stevens, I had a little conflict. It's uh, for now because Machito was supposed to be going there. So my then Gil said, can you just talk to him about it? So, okay. So then uh, I called Machito. I, I uh, have an offer from the 11th. It's like a really huge influence in my life. So anyway, so I really wanted to go to the tour with the 11th. So I called Machito and I have a little offer. What should I do? And the Machito said, okay. I understand. So with uh, ten days, something right? Okay. So make sure you put the sub for the, your chair, and then once you finish your eleventh, and you join with us in in, in Germany. So oh, wow, that's great. So that so that's uh, how things happen to start working to get up. Well, you you apparently have a pattern going on here. It sounds like movies and Mondays have been very good to you. <laughs> yeah, and then this addition to that story, and then. After the, I finished the tour with Gilevans in Japan, last day of the tour in Japan, Gilevans called me in his room. Shunzo, I have next month at a concert at the Every Fisher Hall, so can you play with me? Then uh, I was going to the joint to the Machido in, 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 in Germany. So, oh my gosh, what she do? <laughs> so I told Gil, uh, so I had the commitment in Machido, da, 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 da. Okay, so just in case, so I give you, uh, I think they're going to ask you sub, <laughs> some subbing um, again. So Gil uh, Evans gave me a few trumpeter in, uh, in three names in Europe. 
So uh, I held I that phone number and I went to the Germany and then um, I met um, Machido's band. And then I really wanted to play with the Gilevans. This is the Every Fisher Hall with the Miles Davis and Gilevans, the two bands for the, uh, the concert. So uh, oh, I had a so struggled, you know, myself to how can I tell this to the Machido because I just saw him to, you know, so then I knocked the uh, Machido the room in the hotel and I told him the story. And then Machido was already 80 some years old at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, young man, uh, I cannot be on your way. So you're still a young man, so you know, have long features. So, well, you know, do things whatever you feel right or what you, how you want to do. Okay, so make sure find some sub. <laughs> So, and then I, I got the one guy in England, so he, you know, confirmed, and I told Machida, okay, so this guy, is, he's going to be at the, you know, Ronnie Scott. So, and so that's how it is. And then I officially, I switched to the Gilliam's band since then. course you went on to win another grammy award for uh, live at sweet basil yes it sounded like a lot of great things were beginning to happen but unfortunately you had a rather uh, tragic mishap or accident in 1988 tell us about that yeah 1988 i think that was a December 24th uh, Christmas Eve I was in a big car accident. I was not driving, but I was riding in the back of this car. And three of us was riding. And then uh, in the New York, there is a midtown tunnel. Some car is a hit to the, our car, right in the middle of the intersection. And then I was uh, became unconscious. They brought me to the hospital. And I remember the 11th, I, we had to, uh, my wife actually called the 11th to the Shinzo cannot make it because he was in a big accent. That was uh, my end of the 11th orchestra because I couldn't play my trumpet for a couple of years. When you had that accident, though, you had some challenges and difficulties because you had to go through a, a rather difficult rehabilitation. Did you have to relearn how to... Uh, either play the trumpet or was it uh, maybe moving it at a different part of your mouth that gave you the opportunity to play again? First of all, I didn't feel any of my mouthpiece in my lip because I had a stitches and then uh, chips in my front teeth. Well, then I started seeking to the different teachers since then, many still today. <laughs> so you overcame that and you got back to performing and playing but then tragedy struck again in 1996, I think, uh, when you yeah. were uh, diagnosed yeah. with having uh, fourth stage cancer in your throat or tonsils. Yes, yeah, right, tonsils. 
So, and, and that was quite an ordeal because they remove over a hundred muscles and tendons in your neck, and yet you had another right. challenge. You're an amazing right. man that you were able to overcome all of these things that have uh, come your way. Overcome, but I think uh, I did not have any choice. So, uh, in name of the survival, the life. So, uh, I just have to keep moving. My wife, or my wife's parents, was a really great, great support for those difficult times. They really supported me to the, you know, spiritually, financially, and a really great deal to really support me. But uh, on the cancer treatment, like uh, sometimes you have to go so painful process. So uh, spiritual people around you become so important. So you obviously had a lot of hardships. And I am inspired and amazed by you that you overcame these things. Even when things were not looking so good, you were still in demand because uh, I believe uh, Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock, Larry Coriel, uh, they wanted you to play with them. Uh, was it at Carnegie Hall or a part of their uh, yes. tour? Yeah, yeah, it was on the Carnegie Hall. And Larry Coriel, he just passed away a while ago. And Herbie Hancock, Kenwood Dinard, Robin Eubanks, you know, that was a really great band. So that was like a, my new departure, definitely. And I'll never forget, when Shoto called me to hey, Shinzo, can you play this concert? I was so incapable, you know, I still had a, my little tube on my stomach because I had to uh, had a feeding tube because I couldn't eat anything. Then when Shoto told me, don't worry about it, I, I was standing next to you, I'll cover everything, so whatever you cannot do, I'll cover you. So uh, that was a great generosity of the nice kindness of him that really encouraged me to you know, stand next to him to play with them. When you played with them, you, you played uh, one of your compositions, which uh, yeah. was uh, Musashi. Yes. That earned an award for you, uh, the International Songwriting Competition Award. Yeah. What is it about Musashi that inspired you to uh, compose this? Musashi was a, a, a samurai? Yeah, samurai, self-taught samurai, lonely man by himself. He didn't, he did not, he did not rely on anyone, but he's just a self-taught, trained himself to become a historically in history, so-called. He's the most strongest swordman samurai in history of the Japan. But this was so, very important to you, though, because this was all part of your rehabilitation and further development uh, as a musician. Yeah, uh, one time uh, I was very sick in an apartment in New York City. I was staying at a friend of mine's apartment. And somehow, you know, right next to the, uh, my bed, was, there was like a 10 volume of the, the Musashi story. It was there. And um, I started reading that book from volume one, and I couldn't really stop until volume 10. I was so inspired by the story.
never give up and all the strategy. And then one day, uh, just uh, that story never really left from my heart. Through the years, then, you've not only been inspired by that incident, but by so many other things. As a band leader, you've produced 18 albums. Yep. And through that period of time, uh, you had these 18 albums, uh, your latest one of which was uh, Runner, and that was supposed to debut in April, but I I think the uh, pandemic canceled that. Right. Tell me about Runner. It it sounds like from what I read that it also has an inspirational story, too, because Runner is about the drive that runners have uh, to participate in and complete a marathon. So my uh, image of Runner, the album has an epic, like a fortified movement. And then the other one is a moon over the castle. This is like a Japanese uh, folk song. everyone is uh, running for something, money or fame or anything. Also, different level of the runners, like, uh, for example, like Martin Luther King or Gandhi, or those historical figures, they were really running to the, their belief for the equality of the people, you know, till end of their life. They never gave up despite many persecution or hardship, but still they kept running, running, running. Those uh, figures is really inspired me so much to the no matter what happened, never give up, just run for the towards your goal. That is the meaning of the runner. 
So where are you now in your life with your work? Are, are you still going to continue to persevere and to produce more music uh, for the future? Or are you at a point where maybe you're taking a different path? I uh, think that I wanted to overcome or achieve in my thing. So I'm really challenging that task every day. And then also uh, try to complete of the, my score of the, the epic, you know, symphonic score. I didn't really uh, finish the writing the score. So hope I can, uh, some orchestra can play the music sometime towards the end of the world this year or sometime early next year. So I'm um, uh, preparing to the, uh, making a score of the, uh, the music. So that is my uh, biggest uh, task right now. So it sounds like you have accomplished a great deal in your life. You've persevered, you've carried on, you've had challenges, but you've met them all. And you continue with a deep spirit and a passion of your commitment to the music. And uh, I am inspired and in awe of you, uh, Shunzo. And I, I thank you so much for sharing some of your story. And the work that you've produced is, is amazing. Thank you so much. I wish you all the best, and, and we hope that maybe when the pandemic is over, uh, do you think we might see you somewhere in a live performance? Yes, I hope so. Yes, well, you have contributed a great deal, and you have given so much and have made a difference to the world of jazz. Shunzo, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Arigato. Arigato. Muchas gracias. Yes. So. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Indeed. No doubt you speak more languages than I do, so uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So uh, thank you again. I hope one day I'll have the, the pleasure and the honor of meeting you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with Grammy Award-winning trumpeter Shinzo Ono. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. Join us for our next episode featuring the compelling story of Italian jazz guitarist Simone Gubbiati. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the app you used to listen to us. We are available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. Also Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.